Editor Best Boy Dan here. This pod is so thick that it is actually a five-parter. Yes, you heard correct. We are breaking down 2021 into five parts. One through four will be winter through fall, respectively, with the first ever Best Boy Awards working title to finish everything off. All of the content has been previously recorded, and we are working hard to get each episode out as soon as physically possible. So please enjoy our first OVA series, 2021 Anime Roundup. Part 4, Fall 2021. Meat and potatoes, meat and potatoes, meat and potatoes, meat and potatoes. Meat and potatoes, meat and potatoes, meat and potatoes, meat and potatoes. Bing bong, it's fall. <laughs> I knew it was coming and I still wasn't ready for it. Um, I am stoked to talk about fall anime. If summer was the like slow season, fall was like, we'll see your winter, we'll see your spring, and we'll come at you. Um, this season was stacked. Yeah. Um, like even even if the only show that came out this season was Comey it would have like still been one of the top contenders for seasons of anime. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're going to kick it off with Comey Can't Communicate. Probably the most anticipated new adaptation in... I can't even remember how long. It's the it's definitely the adaptation I've been waiting for since I started reading manga again. Yeah, it, like this this is the this is the manga that really got me into. There are a couple big ones that got me into rom com stuff, and it was this one. My senpai is annoying, and another one that hasn't gotten an anime yet, uh, and Haremia. What was that one called? Uh, that one is called uh, Can You Keep a Secret. Ooh. Yeah, it's about a workplace romance that they keep a secret from their coworkers. It's really cute. Huh. Um, but uh, I don't think that one will ever get an anime. It doesn't have a huge <laughs> following, but it's good. Um, but Comey is great. Yeah. Oh, Co- yeah. This is right off the bat an S-tier anime. Absolutely. It's got everything. Also, it's definitely, without a doubt, the funniest show that we had all season. Oh yeah, like, it, like I was like guttural laughing like multiple times throughout this show. Yeah, this show was hilarious. Like I don't even want to give away any of the jokes, but the first like major joke with Najimi in episode one uh, had us like we, the dying. whole room dead. We yeah. was hilarious. Uh, Najimi is so great. Um, basically, I, like I'm just excited to talk about this show. <laughs> like, why don't you give us a yeah a synopsis. the synopsis? Like I I was gearing up for it. I'm like. Man, I love this story. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, the, the story focuses around the titular Komi, uh, who is kind of like the goddess of this uh, like school. Um, she's like absolutely drop dead gorgeous, um, and and everyone just kind of idolizes her, which is like kind of a weird thing that happens in a lot of high school animes. You have these kind of royalty students, but. Komi is definitely, like, a cut above all the other students. Um, Basically, we then meet uh, our protagonist, Tadano, who is the complete opposite of that. He is the most 
average person possible, like in every single possible metric. And they kind of meet each other and their first interaction doesn't go well. Uh, Tadano tries to say something to Komi and she just kind of runs away. Mm -hmm. And kind of throughout the course of the first episode, uh, Tadano kind of picks up on her social cues. And this is kind of the one thing that Tadano is like good at and that's reading the room mm -hmm. um which is funny because historically he's had issues with that yeah um haven't we all but uh towards the end of the episode he uh kind of confronts Comey and and asks her if uh she has difficulty communicating with people and you learn that she has a communication disorder where she has overwhelming anxiety when it comes to social interaction. What's that like? Well, yeah, right? <laughs> uh, this Can't is picture this that. is the perfect coming out of quarantine anime. Yeah, right? it's like, how, how, do, how do I human? Am I supposed to wear pants all the time? <laughs> um, but uh, they communicate with each other through uh, writing on the chalkboard and you find out that it's Comey's dream to make 100 friends objectively and, too many by the way yes uh you're i have two and a half maybe that's all you need one might say right? that is too many yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but uh yeah so thus begins their kind of journey together and the thing that makes the show so wonderful other than their relationship is just the the unbelievable supporting cast of characters. Yeah. Like, every single person is incredibly unique, super weird, super funny, and they all blend together and work together to make this wonderful ensemble cast. Uh, we mentioned Najimi before. Uh, Part of the joke with Najimi is you're just not quite sure which gender Najimi is, but they I think they handle it in in a in a way that I, I don't find problematic, mm -hmm. um, which is which can be difficult in, in that sort of uh, situation. But uh, the jokes they make uh, with Najimi and, and just Najimi as a character, like Najimi is like the most popular person ever. Like yeah. they're friends. With, they've been childhood friends with everyone. Yeah. And so it, it's it, them as a core like group of three is just they are so fun to play off of each other and all of the satellite characters that bounce into them. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think you definitely hit the nail on the head with the um, with how important the side characters are to this show because again they are what make this show what it is. Um, and it's very interesting to see how basically it, it, it seems like it should be a boring idea. Like, oh, every side character is a trope from anime, basically. So, like, you have the ninja kid, and, like, you have the the dorky uh, Chinibyo kid who is, like, yeah. <laughs> who thinks they, they have, like, secret dark you powers. You have the Sundere. Yeah, you have the Sundere, you have the Yandere, you have the, like... Um, the Gyaru, you have like all of these tropes. And you, you have a normal girl just in there randomly. Yeah, who's, and you have like the girl who's an airhead. So like, and you would think like, oh, these are just recycled tropes. How could they possibly be interesting? But they take every trope to its most 
interesting and hilarious extreme. Mm-hmm. And that's what kind of gives them this life. Because they don't feel like, oh, I'm doing this because it's a trope. The characters feel lived in. They have yeah. concrete motivations. They have interesting backstories. And they all get an arc. Every single one of them at least gets a mini arc that talks about who they are as a character. Uh, most of them get multiple arcs. Yeah. And and then the other fun Also thing the Country is Bumpkin Girl. The, Love her. Oh, Love probably her. Probably my favorite. Um, oh, I need actually, to get that. the Yaru is my favorite, to be, if we're being real. I just remembered I need to save down that that City Girl uh, <laughs> <laughs> pose for a background oh, on my yeah. computer. That's uh, so good. Um, but... The other thing with the cast is that because you have so many people to play with, you can mix and match them in different situations. Yeah, uh, and and like you get to do all of the tropes. Like, um, oh, we have to do an episode on the sports festival at some point. Yeah, sports festival has a lot of interesting tropes that we need to talk about. Um, but uh, there's like they do every trope in anime I can possibly think of, but every time it's fresh and fun. Yeah. And it, it's just great. The OP is stellar. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely a contender for one of the best of the year. Absolutely. Um, the animation of the show is, is top notch. Um, it, there's the like, music is great. The music the, is great. The background music, like especially like the music, the stressful like music that plays, like when something stressful <laughs> or or like frenetic is happening, is really like with the the, the like the uh, what do you call those? Like the little xylophone like mm-hmm. fast hits that are really oh, yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, just everything about it, like. Uh, if you are a fan of JoJo's animation, you yeah. will uh, you will like the show. If you are not a fan of JoJo's animation, if you actively hate it, you'll still like this yeah, show. Yeah, because it, it, it kind of, it, it's definitely riffing on a kind of JoJo-esque uh, aesthetic at certain times. Not the whole way through. Yeah. Like, it, it definitely, it does it for comedic value. Yeah. It, it pulls it off really well. Um, it, it's funny because... I am struggling to find something bad to say about it other than I don't have more. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, this this is one of the rare times where we've been waiting for a show, and we're excited for a show, and it delivers in every facet. To be 100% honest, as much as I love something like... um, you know, Dragon Maid or Epo or something like that. Something that is like, you know, one of my favorite perfect shows. Like, this show, like, hits. It yeah. just, like, there is not a single thing wrong with it in terms of an adaptation. Like, they nailed every single element of it. I'm not wanting for anything. and And that is... An incredible achievement. Yeah, absolutely, and and that's not necessarily because we're like we're we're not exactly easy to please along those lines either. No, like, I was looking at it as critically as possible. Yeah, because like even even with some of the shows that I've really been looking forward to, I can find stuff that you know that is I'm less than enthused about, and we'll talk about that I mean, a little we, bit more like, later. We even but... talked about it with Dragon Maid. Like there's controversy, there's things to talk about. We talked about know? it with Dragon Maid, we talked about it with Haremia, we yeah. talk we're gonna talk about it with My Senpai is annoying. And like with Comey Can't Communicate, I just can't. Yeah. You know? And even with something like Attack on Titan, which like is a like modern masterpiece, like you can go to like the final season and be like the animation is not you know what wit was doing right or something like that which you know this show is still just starting but for what we have 100 percent, yeah absolutely a plus 
You can't get any better than this. Uh, knocked it out of the park. Yes. Um, really, really excited for more. Uh, I think they already did confirm a part two, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're just, we're over the moon with this, yeah. with this show. Good can't, job, Netflix. Can't say anything bad about it. You did all right, Netflix. Um, next up, we've got one that we've already <laughs> talked about, but we're going to talk about again, Mushoko Tensai. This time, season two, part two, core two, however you want to phrase it. Yep. It came back in the fall. Um, Best Boy Dan, why don't you talk about it for a second? I mean, <laughs> you know, it, it, even after Comey, like, the show was still... You know, every week I was looking forward to Komi and and Mushoko Tensai, like, yep. right up. I had this season, this part of the season, I had finally caught up to. So I was watching it as it aired. Yeah. And there was not an episode where I wasn't enthralled for the, you know, 24 minutes that it had me. Um and then, you know, wanting for more the next week. Yeah. I uh, think this season, this part of the show was definitely a more emotional mm-hmm. type of arc than the than the first half of it was. But also the action was the, on another level. Yeah, the action was really great. But for me, the, the moment of the season that really sticks out is the very last arc with, with the mm-hmm. major kind of surprise that happens. I'm not going to give it away. Yeah. But it was an incredibly emotional, like, story to tell. Yeah. Um, it and hits it, you in the feels. It really does. It goes straight for the feels in that last arc, and it does. It pulls it off in a really interesting way that allows for some really good growth for for our main character. And um, the thing that is really great about this show too is that, like, how old is he at this point in the story? Like nine, ten? No, 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 no. Like, he's he's fifteen, I think. I think there was a is he, okay, but like, or he's almost fifteen. Yeah, we've had right, right. You're yes. Um, but we've had this kind of whole growth of this person from uh, a baby, which is a, a really I- interesting way of doing an isekai. We don't get that a lot where you start from the yeah. very, very beginning. Like, usually it just jump cuts to, like, them in, like, high school or whatever like yeah. that. Um, but we get to see him build up from from straight up zero. Yeah. And that's always the stories that I like. Like that was what made Epo so interesting is like he starts from zero and then becomes like, you know. But what's interesting about this about the way they do it in Mushoko Tensai as well is not only do you get that growth of him as, you know, Rudius mm. from a child growing up to yeah. where he is now. Yeah. You also get the growth of the person who he really is from the other side, from yeah. his original world also growing. That's Along true. with Rudius. And I think that's a really interesting concept. As And so the other thing that I love about this show and that I think is going to make it really wonderful going forward is that I can see this story being told over the next 10, 15 years of his life. And, yeah. and characters that we've said goodbye to coming back and reuniting and having new stories with. Yeah. And, and I love that kind of sprawling epic well, story and you you get shades of that which i hope is kind of like a foreshadowing element in that when you know when the calamity happens that we won't give too much away about you have his father who goes oh. to look for him who goes to 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 respond to this crisis with his own contacts who he has not really been in touch with 
over the past couple decades or whatever who he who come and then now they have the story to work through together and i feel like we're gonna get maybe more shades of that moving forward with this as kind of a foreshadowing element but that also kind of come brings to light one of the most important parts about this show are the interpersonal relationships mm-hmm. and the way that this show handles interpersonal relationships i'm i'm laughing because you're 100 percent right like it is you know, we're talking about this very small scale part of the story. But while you were think- talking about that, I'm thinking about how at the same time that we're having all of these really tight personal moments, this is the part of the season where it just blew up the world. Yeah, it right? does. Yeah. Like we go from this this show has done a really good job of taking a very myopic understanding of what's going on and then on a hair trigger flipping it on its head and being like what you think you know now we're backing up you're getting a much more like macro picture of everything going on and like you know all of a sudden you're like okay we go from this kid in a small town to you know a bigger city to a demon continent to the scale of gods yeah and i think and it's seamless and I think it, it, it it's also a reflection of the story that this show has to tell about growing up. Because mm. it kind of, the way it builds the world is kind of the way that you build the world in your head as you grow up. Yeah. You start off in your parents' home mm. or, you know, whoever raises you. You start off in a home and that's your world. And then eventually you begin to venture outside and the world, you know, immediately yeah. around your home becomes your world. And then the city you live in and yeah. then the country you, you have, you gain school, a concept of the country you that you job. live in. Yeah. You know, like you, you, you gain these milestones one by one. And yeah. the same thing happens with this story. You don't learn anything about the country that they live in until Rudius is old enough to understand and no, need to know about it. I'm going to compliment you on that. That is a perfect way of how the scale grows mm-hmm. in this show. Um, and it, it's, and it's wrapped up in a, just a really wonderfully animated show with stellar music. The last thing I kind of want to talk about this, cause we do have other shows to talk about with too, unless you have anything to wrap up. No, with. no, no. Yeah. By all means. Um, the last thing I want to talk about is the OP of this show, because this, uh, yeah. you know, it is a great song. Um, but there's no single OP. There's no, like, recycled images for it. This is the artist's playground. They do these kind of unbelievable, um, like, landscape shots and cityscape shots and kind of, like, very far away, like, cinematography, like, kind of beautiful, um, open spaces with like them walking through the distance, yeah. you know, um, it, it, it is shots composed on the level of, you know, like some of the cinematic greats, yeah. um, in animation. And I, I think that how they handle that and they tell the story that way, um, without having dialogue through the opening is at that changes every single time is a really fascinating way of doing an OP. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, we could talk about this show for an entire episode, <laughs> and we probably will at some point. Um, but, you know, we have to move on, and I can't think of anything better to talk about next than uh, one of the really interesting standouts that we had yeah. uh, this season, which came out just in time, because it came out right around Halloween. Yeah. And that is Miyaruko-chan. Um, and uh, this story was just a really interesting take on so a kind good. of horror comedy show. 
Um, and it was absolutely well done. Like everything from the uh, from the the animation of the ghosts. I to the... I think solidly the best monster design I've seen in anime. It's definitely up there. They do really really well. I will say that when we first talked about this show on our um, on our fall anime episode, we did talk about how wow this guy really draws a lot of butts. <laughs> and yes, the first like two or three episodes are a little etchy, but honestly, it tapers off quite a bit. I don't um, really think there's any by the end. Yeah, like it, it, it's it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, all right, get it out of your system, and then <laughs> you know, and then we're gonna move on from here. But uh, I was surprised by how much of a story this one had to tell. I when I first picked it up, thought it was just gonna be like, all right, well, a couple episodes, and it'll just be like this kind of silly, maybe almost a slice of life horror comedy, and you know, well, it very much starts off as a horror comedy. You get it, the whole premise of the show is that it really starts off with her watching this kind of um, TV show where they like have you know people like riffing in between like uh, commercial breaks while a horror movie plays. Yeah. Um, and they're like, oh, what would you do if you saw a ghost? And one of the hosts is like, I'd probably just pretend it wasn't there. And so she takes that approach as she just suddenly starts seeing these ghosts. Yeah. And so she doesn't, you know, interact with them, which turns out to be the correct answer. Yeah. Um, but it's just kind of her story of dealing with these ghosts and kind of, uh, you know, also her best friend and, and some other, uh, characters as well. Um, but just how how she handles the ghosts is like can be really funny in scenes and also really terrifying and it's very good at kind of flipping that very quickly on you too. Yeah. Um, and then also it just kind of has this very interesting overarching supernatural story that you don't get a ton of answers to, but also feels very satisfying at the same time. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Miruko-chan is great. Um, I haven't finished it yet. I will finish it uh, at some point. Again, um, time is limited, but like the, I definitely thoroughly enjoyed uh, my time with this show. Um, I hope we will get more of it. I, I could definitely see that happening. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe like a every every fall. Like I think it's a good Halloween show. Yeah. You know? And it seems as though there's more material too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next up, another show that I hope we get some more of, but uh, I honestly don't know. I think this was an original, um, or maybe it did have a, a manga. I don't I remember. I think it did. But... Anyway, it's Blue Period. Yes. Um, this is another one coming to us from Netflix. Uh, Netflix really knocking it out of the park this season. Um, and uh, wow, Blue, Blue Period was absolutely fantastic. It is um, basically this show about a kid. He kind of, he's not quite a delinquent, although he definitely is sort of. He's really just a kind of a listless kid. He doesn't seem to, like... He's just going through life, like, basically um, performing to the expectations of the people around him. Like, whatever the people around him expect that he should do, he does. Um, so when he's with his friends who are kind of delinquents, he kind of acts like a delinquent. When he's in school, he pays attention in school, and he's kind of like an honor student. When he's at home, he's kind of just a very, like, you know, non-confrontational, like, you know, he's just like a standard son standard sun unit um but he somehow um he ends up discovering art in a weird way and like as um as like a senior i forget if he's a second or third year in high school but like he's like it's late for him to make this decision suddenly decides 
I want to go to art school. So he goes from like not being able to draw to like wanting to go to art school. And it basically like follows his journey um, of basically learning about the different facets of art. This sounds like every hobby I've ever gotten into. <laughs> yeah, right? It's, like, it's oh, like, oh, that looks interesting. I'm throwing every fiber of my yeah. being into this. It's like, it's like going from like, oh, it might be nice to learn how to play the guitar to I'm starting a band. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really interesting uh, the way he kind of he throws himself into it and like he he faces like criticism from the people around him who are like oh this is just a, like a hobby for you and like he he kind of has to like come to grips with the fact that like people people will view him like that but like he can't like let it like kind of affect him like he in his journey and you know it 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 is a really interesting take on um, you know, it kind of feels a little bit like a sports anime. It doesn't really materialize as much as we maybe thought it would. Um, really being ending up to be more of a drama, but like it, in, it tells the struggles of, of you know what students have to go through in, uh, you know, generally the Japanese education system, but specifically for the humanities and the arts is incredibly difficult. Um, and it also in this show we get a really interesting representation of a trans character. Mm. So uh, one of the characters is a trans woman. And I think one an interesting contrast between this show and another show um, where we have uh, Comey Can't Communicate, where we have a character whose gender is not as ri very rigidly defined, is where in Comey Can't Communicate, it's less of um, it's less of a defining characteristic of the character as it is completely incidental. Yeah. And whereas in Blue Period, you get the this character who struggles with the things that trans people struggle with. And you kind Which of... Which is incredible to be depicted in anime. Yeah. And you kind of... And like, don't get me wrong. It's not the main focus of this show. Don't expect it to be. But um, the way it kind of comes across and the way it tells this story uh, and the way it interfaces with the main story and kind of allows the main character to learn to not only um, appreciate and accept his friends for the way they are, but also uh, it have um, an effect on the way they view the world, um, I think is a very interesting facet of this show. Um, also, the OP is a banger. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, like it's, it's don't, don't think that it's just the, this show is all just a very heavy, interesting drama. It has beautiful art. Like the the artworks depicted in the show are gorgeous. Um, the process of him creating the art is very interesting. So that so that's what speaks most to me because as a former fine arts major, um, his approach to art is very much what mine was. Right. In that, like I very late in like I got into art really when I was like 16 years old is when I started uh, doing design for theater right and um, really didn't even like do lighting until I was about 18 um, and then pursued a college career in that and did that professionally and for me I was never an artist like gifted like I remember spending like 10 hours on like my drawing homework where my friend who is like one of the most amazing artists I know um, would draw something in like 15 seconds and be like this is beautiful and perfect yeah and I love his kind of step-by-step uh, -step way that he takes art in that learning the skills learning the techniques the mechanics the the like 
building blocks of it. That was the only way I was able to do things was through a very analytical mindset. And, right. And so that representation of art, I think, is also something that's kind of unique to this show. Yeah, and I think the way that the character approaches it is really well done because, like, he has, like, one of his friends is a very gifted painter. And, like, he's kind of, like, a social outcast, whereas the main character is kind of a social butterfly. Like, he's not, like the like the most popular kid in school but like he is you know he's moved seamlessly between different social circles um and at one point the the main character like who is incredibly talented and gifted kind of like snaps at um the main character who is approaching art from this very analytical clinical way because like he's never he's just learning how to do it and he kind of says oh, why are you even doing this you don't need art like you're you don't need this and like the character's response to that is so interesting because, like, it's not even so much of, like, a fuck you, don't tell me, like, what I need. He kind of shows it. Like, he takes that frustration and he takes that feeling and he makes it into art. And it's like, okay, like, I see where you're coming from with this. Like, I see where your motivations are, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's a very interesting portrayal of that. Yeah. All in all, a good show. Netflix is, like, really stepping up its anime game lately. Mm. Um, I'll be interested to watch them in 2022 and see what, what's coming down the pipe from them. Absolutely. Um, but what else were we interested in seeing in 2022? It's more Demon Slayer, because we've got Demon Slayer Entertainment District arc. Um, wow. Yeah, uh, this picks up during the events of the movie, basically. Yeah. Um, so they kind of recap all of that, which we've already talked about. Um, but then they jump right into the next uh, section of it, which is particularly interesting because so far in this time period of Japan, we've explored the more rural areas. Um, and, and this arc, we're getting into Tokyo. We're getting into the entertainment district, the yeah. red light district. And it's a whole different vibe. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a very interesting um, uh, representation of the kind of uneven application of modernity that you have in Japan at this time period. Because b before the events of probably like the middle of the first season of Demon Slayer, it could be set at any point in feudal Japan, and you would not know the difference mm -hmm. because it takes place in the mountains. It takes place in the rural areas where. There is no electricity, there are no trains, there's no cars, there's the same level of technology they've always had. And, you know, meanwhile, just a couple miles away, you have Tokyo with all of the modern conveniences of, you know, life during this time period. And it's a very interesting contrast, and the way the story is told in this, you know, in this space is also very interesting uh, contrasted with the way the story was told in in the mountains in the rural areas where it first started yeah um but this this show is really only getting started um so far we've had some unbelievable battles yes um so it, it's you know not disappointing i i hope demon slayer keeps keeps it up keeps demon if, if it keeps going at this level it's going to be one of the top tier shonens of all time, I would say. Absolutely. Um, next up, we've got 86, part two. We got more 86 this year. Is this 87? Is this well, I think 172? I think it would be an even number. So it would probably, 172. Yeah, probably be 172. Or, well, is it 88? Mm, maybe. Okay. Either way, um, we have 86, part two. And 
I listen. When I first wa started watching this show, I was very much enamored with it. But like, I didn't really fall in love with this show. Like, it it, it grabbed me when I first watched it. But like, it had me with the beginning of part two of '86. Like, the way the main character develops in this b between you know the end of part one and the first couple episodes of part two is absolutely phenomenal. You get this like incredible growth um, and the world literally explodes. This is not the kind of very linear, straightforward world building that you get out of Mushoko Tensai. This is an exponential growth of world building. Mm -hmm. They literally burst through into a wider world that is told in a very interesting and um, uh, engaging manner. And they kind of come to understand, like, they always knew the world they lived in was fucked up. They never, but they there's no way they could have possibly conceived about what the situation really was, you know? they All they knew was that the people who, the people in this republic, the place where they nominally lived and, like, kind of served was a lie. It was all constructed on a lie. They just didn't know how big that lie was. Yeah. Uh, and 86 Part 2 does a really good job of bringing that to the forefront uh, and using it to tell a story. Now, we do have... The one thing we do need to talk about with 86 Part 2 is there have been a number of production delays. Um, there was one delay earlier in the season of about two weeks where they ended up releasing a special commentary video... Uh, instead of the following episode. And now we are in another um, delay where the end of this part two will be pushed off until, uh, I believe it's mid-March. Um, yeah, so we don't have a conclusion of the show just yet, but it is rapidly approaching. Um, and God, like just so interesting, so well done. The visuals, the battles, everything about this show has been absolutely perfect. Yeah, I have time to catch up. Yeah, finally. Oh, I'm There's excited. time now. <laughs> yeah, especially with this season. That uh, I will say, so for Blue Period, I'm like halfway through it. And 86, I'm like three episodes into season two. Mm -hmm. um, those are my two like, oh, these are the ones I'm going to catch up on. Absolutely. And they very well should be. Um, up next, we have My Senpai is Annoying, which we've mentioned a few times already before. Yeah. Um, this was a delightfully fun show. Um, don't let the title fool you. I was, ex I, I had expectations because of Nagatoro. Mm -hmm. um, this is basically just a, a workplace romance. Um, you have kind of two core sets of romantic issues. There's only two core sets of romantic <laughs> issues. There's, there people, there's, there's definitely not a third one. Please, God, don't let there be a third one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so it, it's basically there's like this big boisterous. I honestly, I think of like the main guy from my love story, but grown up. Yeah. Uh, as this character. Um, and then uh, his kohai, who is... Another person at this like sales firm. They yeah, they do some. They do <laughs> they some do sales. vague sales. Um, and she's like super tiny, um, but like very hot-headed, and uh, you know, 
they, they have a very slow burn relationship, but it's cute yeah. and it's, you know, silly. Uh, their friends have a much more interesting relationship. I like them. Uh, their, yeah. like, relationship more, at least. Um, but yeah, all the stories are fun and cute. The OP is awesome. I will say this about the show. My one disappointment with it is that, like, yes, I understand why they did the side plot, the side romance plot first, um, because it does carry you through to the main romance plot, because the main plot is very slow. Yeah. But I do wish they had done more of it in the first season. Than you don't did. really get any of it. You don't get season. any of it. And they could have, there are elements that they could have incorporated that would have at least brought some of it to the forefront. And they don't really do it. And like, it's a minor knock on it, because even without it, the show is still great. But uh, uh, as somebody who read the manga, I wanted to see a little bit more of it represented in the first season. Um, I say first season because I hope there will be another one. Um, but uh, overall, the show was great. The OP was phenomenal. Uh, we were hooked on the OP from the very first time we watched it. Um, and, you know, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing more of this. I like what they did. They, they were fairly faithful to the source material, but they didn't necessarily always do it in the same order. So they took, they kind of put things in an order that I felt worked better for an anime format. They also added some characters that didn't exist, which was, I thought was good because like, um, it was who that Mona-chan, the girl who drinks the water out of the vodka. Oh bottle. my God. I love her. Yeah. That she's not in the manga. They added what? her in. Yeah. Oh, she's um, one of my favorite characters. I know. And she's great. Um, <laughs> She's my nominee for the third romance plot that does exist. Her and her and her vodka. and the, her and vodka, or her and the weird like guy who's always chasing girls. Okay, yeah, I think that would be a that. fun ship. Yeah, that's like a nice uh, little side story. I, yeah, I also really love uh, the grandpa who's grandpa is great. Yeah, super sexy, and um, also the the like boss of everyone who's just like the chief. Yeah, the chief is like he's he's the goat. Yeah, Chief is the goat. Uh, I will I will share with you a very cute um, moment from the manga that I read today. Um, it's between Yuto and Natsumi. Um, but don't worry, it's fine, it's okay. Um, basically, what happens is uh, Yuta, um, basically he gets, you know what New Year's money is, right? Yeah. So basically he gets New Year's money from, um, from the Kohai and from Natsumi. And, like, he's, like, trying to be all super adult about it. And, like, Natsumi's like, hey, are you going to use it to buy the new Monster Hunter game? Like, um, it looks really good. And he's like, no, I'm going to be an adult and I'm going to save my money because I want to be mature and, like, responsible. And she's like, oh, well, you know, I thought we could play together, I guess. And then he went and got the game. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it was super cute. Um, but this show, this show is just really great. It's filled with a lot of very cute moments, a lot of very funny moments. I think if we didn't have Comey this season, it probably would have been the fun, one of the funniest shows we had. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, I think that's really all I have to say about My Senpai is Annoying. Yeah. Uh, and if you thought Comey was the best show of the season, mm -hmm. you were probably right, because this one is terrible. Uh, yeah. <laughs> World's End Harem. Um, it's back, by it's, the way. Yeah, I know. The first episode aired. Um <laughs> For those of you who don't know, World's End Harem, it aired in the fall, and it aired for one episode. And was immediately pulled. And they were like, mm, we need to rethink this, because 
the first episode was real horny. Like <laughs> the uh, the premise of it is what is it like 99.99% of males all drop dead. Yeah. And it is the like five remaining males mission to repopulate the earth. Yeah. And the anime. Yeah. And like, it's exactly as trashy as you're expecting having heard that. It's possibly worse. Yeah. And, and that's just one episode. It was so bad that they had, they had to, Pull it. They couldn't they, air any more episodes. They basically, they had to be like, all right, we need to reevaluate this to make sure we're not doing another <laughs> interspecies <laughs> review. To make sure we don't put porn onto the public yeah. broadcast and, airwaves. And here's the wild part, is that it actually is coming back. Like, it's back again this season that we're in now, the winter of 2022, when we're recording this. <sighs> and, like, I haven't watched the second episode yet, but I'm so curious. I'm like, what did they I think, change? I think only the first episode is out right now oh is it yeah okay. so no, they be, re-released the first episode as so okay gotcha. i wonder if they have made any changes yeah i would be really curious to see because like this could be the other contender for a more contemporary anime was a mistake like listen i i love my trash <laughs> I, like i don't know if i can watch this one <laughs> i think we need to put you through something that you can't watch this time that around, would you know? be that would be amazing um, if if we could find that. And but like wow, this show was so trashy. Like, and I knew going in that it was gonna be trashy. And even I, because I was thinking to myself, like, there's no way they would make another mistake like interspecies reviewers again. Like, it's gonna be trashy, but it's not gonna be that bad. And it was that bad. Yeah. Like I was like I was like this is like going in the same exact direction as interspecies reviewers. We're gonna have another problem on our hands here. Yeah. Um. So well, I guess we'll see how big that problem gets. And yeah, we'll let we're, you know. <laughs> we're gonna have to find out because it's our job. Um, it's so this is friggin' whiplash to go for, from World's End Harem to Ranking of Kings, um, which <laughs> is just the complete opposite. Um, this is one of my, so this is another one of those shows that we talked about earlier where, um, we were like, oh, we got to watch kind of the best shows of the year to be informed for, uh, for our season finale. And this is like one of the most like wholesome adventure fantasy stories I've seen in a while. Um, it's very stylized uh it's done by studio wit who did originally did uh attack on titan so like the animation chops are there but it is a very specific style of anime it's kind of like a european kind of cartoon look Mm -hmm. to it um and i've never seen a fantasy story told like this it is about this uh character prince boji who is the son of a giant, but is a very tiny boy who has absolutely no strength. The giant king is like one of the most powerful people in the world, and they the world is kind of structured by power, yeah. and uh, hence the ranking of the kings. Um, and he is one of the highest ranked kings out there, uh, and his son just has none of that power. In fact, he's deaf and dumb. And um, people look down on him and they don't expect anything from him. He's incredibly intelligent, incredibly kind, 
and just goes through some real shit. Like, it is a very dramatic story. Um, The kind of twists and turns of how the succession goes after the king passes away uh, really is, like... Uh, it's just an incredible story and it's a really rich fantasy world with a lot of very unique elements to it right um it's i i just i can't say enough about it but it i also just don't want to spoil it because watching it like just everything you take in with the show is just a pleasure yeah um so i encourage everyone out there to give it a try um stick with it it's just like as it goes on it just keeps getting better and growing and telling a more interesting story and bringing things back that like just feel like at the time little one-offs i know when you were talking about odd taxi like you talked about how it kind of has this really lovely conclusion even without this story being concluded i'm really happy that this is going on into this season it's going to be like a full 24 episode season Mm -hmm. um but just the way it's telling this story it's like as it tells you things it'll go back and pick those back up and kind of move the story along and and you just get this really fleshed out world from that and and it's a pleasure to watch absolutely um yeah i watched a couple episodes of it i haven't uh, i haven't finished out what is available of it just yet um but it is interesting uh, the art style is definitely highly stylized it's not quite my cup of tea um but i can see why people are interested in it um, and I do think the story has a lot of uh, a lot of heart, and I think it's got a lot of story to tell, and I'm interested to continue watching it. Um, other show this that's kind of like in in my wheelhouse for this fall season, and then uh, I'm going to hand it off to Justin oh, to, yes. to take us home through like 15 shows. Yeah, <laughs> um, is Gretzko season four, yeah. and. It's more Gretzko. If you like a Gretzko, you'll like this show. Uh, it's fun. Um, we kind of abandoned some of the more uh, higher-minded concepts that were going on in the second and third season of the show, and it's just kind of a workplace comedy. Um, it continues to to do what it does well. It's not the most exceptional like season, but it's a, a pleasurable experience. Um, for those who maybe don't know about Agretzko, it's it's basically like chibi anthropomorphized animals in an office. It um, the main character is a red fox, and she's like very timid and like underspoken at work, uh, and she lets out her frustrations by singing death metal in the cl- in the karaoke clubs at night. Um, if that sounds interesting to you, you will definitely like this show. I encourage you to go watch it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so uh, strap on in, Best Buds, because it's time oh, for I'm Uncle Justin's Anime nap. Corner. <laughs> I did this season, this fall season, I did a ton of anime watching. Um, Justin I, was anime. I, I became anime for this <laughs> season. Um, and I watched a lot of shows, so we're going to talk about them. Um, the first show that we're going to talk about is The Faraway Paladin. This show uh, I became enamored with because it was an isekai that didn't feel like an isekai. I need to watch this one, don't I? Yeah, you really do. Because, (laughs) yes, it is an isekai. The character dies and is reincarnated in another world. But 
um, him being reincarnated in this world doesn't provide him with any special um, advantages. He Ooh. basically... he <laughs> That's different. Yeah. He doesn't even have a smartphone? He doesn't even have a smartphone. No, like, he does remember the world, um, you know, he came from, but that doesn't help him in any way, because he was a Hikikomori also, um, just like in Mushoku Tensai, but he has kind of a different experience of it. And he kind of comes at it with basically, like, I wish I had appreciated my parents more, and I wish I had lived a more fulfilling life. And that's kind of the attitude that he goes into this new world with. And... The reason why I say, like, hey, his knowledge of, of being reincarnated doesn't really do him any good is because he ends up being reincarnated in the middle of a continent that had been abandoned after a giant war against, like, a demon king, right? Mm -hmm. And um, he is, in, you know, he has been reincarnated as a child who is basically left as a sacrifice for these three undead who still live there. Um, there's a skeleton named Blood, and um, a mummy named Mary, and a ghost named Gus. And <laughs> a skeleton named Blood. Yeah. And basically what they are is they are the undead versions of the th three of the heroes of this struggle against the Demon King. Who they prevailed against, but were killed in the struggle, but weren't ready to pass oh, on. Interesting. Yeah. So basically, they raise this child who has been like abandoned in their care, and you know they raise him to kind of be a paladin. So like they combine their strengths, which is the skeleton was a great warrior, the ghost was a powerful wizard, and the mummy was um, uh, like a cleric. She was like basically like a, a, a priestess of the one of the gods, um, and basically combines those powers to make him a paladin, basically. Um, and his job is to kind of go off into the world and um, find a way to restore the continent because the place where he was born has basically been abandoned by people for the last 300 years. Which is why I say that him being Isekai doesn't confer any advantages to him, because his only touchstones to the world don't know how the world works anymore. They know how the world worked 300 years ago when people actually still lived in this abandoned continent, which they don't really anymore. Um, so he kind of comes out into the world with, uh, you know, he's very strong, he's been trained very well, he has a couple of good, you know, magical items that are bestowed upon him by his caretakers when he leaves. Um, but, like, they don't, beyond him just being kind of strong, he doesn't have any advantage in getting through the world as yeah. it exists. Well, because even in his home life he didn't know how to navigate the world exactly so like he kind of comes into it as like yes this is an isekai but it's really just more of a good solid fantasy story more than anything else but it does have that through line where his whole goal is to appreciate the second chance he's been giving so that's really the only where part where the isekai element of it comes in um i have described this show as like what if a D&D &D party had an anime? Because it kind of feels like that. Because, like, in his little group of adventurers, he has... There's himself. He has, like, a half-elf kind of, uh, like, ranger-like friend. And he has um, a halfling bard. And there's, like, a human merchant. And there's, like a, like, a warrior who also has a great name. His name is Rostov the Penetrator. Um, which is going to be the name of my next D&D &D character. That's the name. That's my stripper name. Hey, yo! <laughs> yeah. Um, 
But uh, it, overall, the story is just really well done. Um, the animation is very beautiful. The fight scenes are very well choreographed. Um, and I just really love the world building of this show. So yeah, absolutely, Best Boy Dan, you should really watch this show. What you should not watch is the next show on our list. Um, and that is Fena Pirate Princess. Really? I A lot of people were like into that show, I thought. And here's the thing. In the beginning of this show, it was really great. Because here's what you have. You have pirates versus ninjas. The okay. anime. On board, sold. right? Let's Completely sold. And it's great. For the first half of the show, it's really fantastic. It's uh, it's It kind of gets you some world building into why these pirates and these ninjas coexist and don't they live care, in the same fight. world. <laughs> it, it, yeah, even just like don't care, fight. And it's still good. But like it never delivers on the promise of the story. Mm. The main character, who is Fena, she never gains any agency at all throughout the entire show. Her whole job is to be a vessel through which the story is told. She never makes any decisions uh -huh. of her own. She never like has any character growth of her own. She is literally just like uh, the story is channeled through her. And it's very it, like at first like the the action scenes and like the interesting world make up for that for like the first half of the show, but after that it's just like okay like this is just boring now like mm -hmm. they're all moving at the beck and call of these forces that they have no control over and that are being channeled through this character who is uninteresting who doesn't grow who doesn't learn she never like gets her own agency, and it, it just falls flat they really they really did not stick the landing i didn't even watch the last episode i just i didn't even care like i watched it all the way up to the second and last episode and i was like i just don't care how this story ends like it's not good mm -hmm. um so it was really disappointing especially because like in the beginning there was a lot of hype behind this show because it did start off really really good but it just as time wore on it just never delivered on that uh on that promise unfortunately um, next up we have uh, Irina Vampire Cosmonaut, which uh, this show was really good. Um, it was not quite the show that I thought it would be, um, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. It ended up being a very interesting kind of exploration of, um, how do I put it? So it, it, let me describe the plot first. It takes place in an alternate universe timeline where the the stand-in for the USSR and the stand-in for the Western powers are locked in a space race. And um, also in this world, there are vampires. And <laughs> because the vampires are the closest, quote-unquote, non-human, like, test animals to a human, they decide that for their first, like, launch of this new rocket, they're going to send a vampire uh, into space to kind of make sure that it's safe for their human cosmonauts, right? Um, but, like, the vampires in this world, they're not, like, your typical Nosferatu vampires. Like, they, um, like, they do, they can drink blood, and they do drink blood, but it doesn't have to be human blood. Like, they can drink any kind of blood for sustenance. Um, they can't taste food, but they can enjoy eating food, because, like, they can enjoy the textures. And that's what we discover about Irina, is that she enjoys food with unique textures, so she likes caviar. And she likes, um, you know, she likes uh, um, seltzer because it's like bubbly, like Spicy so she water. can, yeah, she can feel the bubbles and she enjoys that. Um, but like we kind of get this story of there's a cosmonaut who's been basically like demoted because of reasons that you learn about later on in the show, and it becomes his job to oversee the training of this vampire 
who they're planning to send into space. And they will not, like most of them will not refer to her by name because in this universe, the dog Laika exists. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they don't name her Laika, although they do name the city that they live in Laika. And basically the premise is that like, oh, everyone got really attached to this dog and it made it really hard to make scientific observations because everyone loved this dog. Mm-hmm. So like all of, our, all of our experimental subjects are just gonna be called object and a number. So her name is Object 44. Um, but like, you know, he kind of ends up getting close to her and like, you know, he you know refers to her by real name and treats her as a person. And then you kind of get this dynamic between the two because there is this kind of fatalistic um, outcome that they know like, hey, the, the, the doctrine of this program is that once a subject has been used for an experiment, we destroy it. Like we don't, we don't let the subject continue to live, and um, it kind of ends up being this interesting dynamic between like the rigors of scientific exploration weighed against like human life, and you know it, it ends up yes there is a there is a romance plot involved as well, um, and I just uh, I thought it was a really interesting show, um, and I recommend it if you're into any kind of like rom coms dramas if you just want an interesting alternate history universe to explore. Uh, it's a good one to check out. Uh, next up, we have Sakugan. This one, Sakugan, Sakugan with Gagamba and Memempu. Um, <laughs> Gagamba. This one, I actually did not watch uh, as much of it as I would have liked to uh, prepare for this. I've watched the first like five or six episodes, and it's pretty good. I ended up not keeping up with it just because of all of the awesome things I'm also watching. <laughs> so like, it's just like I yeah, could pretty stacked. List. I have a pretty stacked list. We're not even like a quarter of the way through it for the fall. Um, but this show, it's a really great family, um, basically like a family comedy about this, uh, this girl who's super duper smart. They live in this world where they, for, for reasons that they don't fully understand or remember anymore, they all live underground and they are, um, you know, they're basically workers. So like they, they use these giant robots to mine and drill and dig tunnels. And what she really wants to do, though, is she wants to be a marker, which are there like these people who explore the, the underground labyrinth that they live in. But her father, who used to be a marker, won't let her because he's like, it's too dangerous. Like, I don't want you to do that. Like, I want to stay here where it's safe. And, you know, I'm not going to give away too much of the story, but like things happen and it ends up they end up going on like a little father daughter adventure. And it's really cute and really interesting. The robot designs are really cool and fun. Um, the big robot. The robot's name is Big Tony, which I love that. Because um, <laughs> I used to have. Hey I, Tony. I had a friend growing up who was uh, who we called Big Tony, so it means it means a lot to me. He has uh-huh. Liberty Spikes. He's great. Um, best girl. Uh, best girl. Listen, knows Big Tony. Um, and uh, yeah, this show. Uh, I I'm excited to watch more of it. I thought it was really interesting, and I, I love their names, Gagamba and Memempu. They're fun to say. Next up, we have Taisho Maiden's Fairy Tale. This one kind of took me by surprise because uh, I had read this manga and I really enjoyed it and I didn't realize it was getting an anime adaptation. Surprise! Um, surprise! And here we are. Uh, it's another really beautiful portrayal of this kind of uh, pre-World War I um, Japan era. Um, this one is notable mo- mainly for its clothing. So the kimono designs are very beautiful. Um, but it's uh, basically just a really cute rom-com uh, set in this kind of period uh, where Japan is going through its kind of growing pains, achieving modernity. And um, it is it tells the story of this young boy 
who is in a car accident and the car accident kills his mom and it cripples his right hand. And his father basically says, well, if you can't use your arm, I can't, you can't be an heir to this company. Like I can't, I can't use you. You have, I have no use for you. And basically sends him off to live in the family's like summer home in the mountains somewhere. Um, and the kid is obviously really <laughs> messed up about this because like he's in like this very short span of time, he's lost his mother, he's become terribly injured and his father cast him out of the family. Um, so he can barely take care of himself. He's in an incredibly deep depression and his father basically hires a girl to be his bride, which is not uncommon for the time period, this incredibly common uh, thing. Um, but um, still problematic, no, no, no historical revisionism there. But um, basically he hires this girl to live with him and become his bride. And she basically, um, you know, she she comes into his life and like kind of uh, is the driving force for him wanting to change and wanting to be better and like wanting to not kind of wanting to live life basically. Like he doesn't want to be this drag on like he, he recognizes that like, hey, this girl has been sent here like she didn't necessarily have any say in the matter like i don't want to be this person who is going to like make her life hell just because i can't like take care of myself and i can't you know be who i want to be um and they end up like kind of uh, dealing with that like at first very uncomfortable dynamic between the two of them um and it does develop into a romance story um but uh, yeah, it's just really interesting. This is another one where you have that kind of ensemble cast with the very important side characters who kind of bring the story to life. So like you have like this kind of this this girl who lives in the mountain in the the village that they live in in the mountains, and she's kind of like a she's kind of like a ne'er do well. She doesn't she like you know she kind of like tricks the main character, pickpockets him at one point, and like they kind of grow to learn about each other you know throughout the story. Um, and overall, just really great, really interesting story. Very beautifully animated. Uh, it was a surprise, but a very welcome one. And if you're into rom-com and you want like a period drama, this is the one for you. Um, next up, we've got World Trigger Season 3. Um, there's not too much I have to say about it besides uh, I got into World Trigger specifically so I could catch up and just like be aware of this one and what was going on. And I'm glad I did. It's a very solid little um, shonen story that kind of tells uh, a story about basically like this world where it, there's other dimensions and there's creatures from those dimensions that can cross over and attack you know the world through this like gate system um and they basically have to learn how to grow and defend you know their good planet tournament arcs. yeah it has good tournament arcs it has a really interesting and well-defined power system um very uh, unique yeah, it's too. incredibly unique. Basically, like, it kind of works almost like a video game. So, like, you have these things, they're called triggers, and you have a certain amount of attachment points for each trigger, and, like, there's a bunch of, like, standardized, like, Everyone powers. has their, like, own role, like, kind yeah. of, like, RPG style. Yeah, so you have snipers, and you have gunners, and shooters, and attackers, and defenders, and it's a really interesting way to kind of build out a power system. Um, to have interesting and engaging battles and tournaments. It's also nice because it's kind of designed for, like, team combat. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. And, and I think it pulls that off really well. 
Um, season three has been great so far. There are uh, they are having some production delays because of the eruption of the volcano in the Pacific. Um, Wild. Yeah. So they pushed back the the final uh, the season finale by a week. It should be out by the end of this week. So when this episode airs, it should also be available. Um, but yeah, I highly recommend it. If you're into World Trigger already, this is a good one for you. If you're looking to pick up a new uh, kind of interesting shonen. The first season is like 70 episodes long, so you'll have plenty of material to run through. Um, and uh, moving on to our next one, Build Divide Code Black. This one I only watched about three episodes of, and that's because it's not very interesting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know how to be any more 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 diplomatic about it than that. It's a it's a tr it's a card trading sci-fi fantasy game world. Um, that is Wait, never... did I watch the first episode of this? Yeah, you did. Oh, yeah, I was thoroughly underwhelmed by this. Yeah, and, and it never gets better. Okay. Uh, or at least not from what I've watched of it. it. The world is never fully explained. The characters' motivations are unclear. It's like a cool um, idea, just not executed well. Yeah, it's basically, it's a it's a card, it's a, a, a an advertisement for a, a card game that I don't think actually exists. I don't think there is an actual Build Divide card game. Stop trying to make Build Divide happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, she can't sit here, um, but like, yeah, it just. We didn't... only wear code black on Wednesdays. Yeah, we this one just never. It ne like I wanted it to be good because I want another really good like trading card battle based anime like we had with like Yu Gi Oh. Um, I want something that kind of like fills that space because there really hasn't been anything that fills that space. There's Yu Gi Oh. It, it's just been Yu Gi Oh, and like it would be interesting to see something else kind of take that mantle, but this is not it. Um, next up we have Muv Love Alternative. This one... I hate this name. I know you do. <laughs> he really Muv does. Love is just like, it's, it's just so weird. It's uncomfortable to me. Um, yeah. And it's like, um, this story, it kind of also was one that snuck up on me, kind of like Taisho Maiden's Fairy Tale, in that I knew it was coming out, and I was going to watch it, because it's a mecha show. And I'm, if it's a mecha show, I'm, I'm going to watch it. This is the Bandai, or Sunrise one, right? No, different one. The, that uh, one's coming later. Oh, okay. Um, but what happened was, it, it, I don't remember, a couple episodes ago, I talked about a show that I watched called Schwartz's Marken, which, it, which animated itself like two-thirds of the way through. <sighs> and I never realized that Schwartz's Marken was part of a larger universe because it was so perfectly uh... self-contained. Oh, that's what this one is. Yes. So it was so perfectly self-contained that I thought it was just it was just its own show that was just like a one-off season and I never really looked any further into it. I think I googled once like will there be a Schwartz's Mark in season 2 and the answer was no and I was like okay, fine, that they'd ended in an okay place, I'm fine with it. Um but it turns out that Schwartz's Mark is actually a spin-off of the Muv Love universe, which itself, as far as I'm aware, has never had a, its own full anime. <laughs> so the very first like full anime that I've been able to find was Schwartz's Markin, whereas like you had a couple like OVAs and like limited run um, anime like miniseries from Muvlove. Um, you never had a full anime season like we get with Muvlove Alternative. And what makes that weird is that Muvlove Alternative takes place in an alternate universe of that original universe. So like anybody watching this show from the first time will be watching a show that takes place in the alternate universe of a story that they're not familiar with. Which is kind of how I ended up watching it, because I'm not familiar with the main universe of this show. And 
what is the core property? Is it like a gotcha game or? Uh... It's not a gotcha game. It's a it's a like it's an Otome game slash visual novel kind uh, of thing. Okay. Yeah. Like a um, Danganronpa kind of thing. Kind of like kind of like Danganronpa, kind of like Persona, uh, kind of deal, and like honestly, at first was very jarring because like. I was somewhat aware of what the main thrust of this story is, just from having encountered it elsewhere on the internet. But even still, it has an interesting story to tell. And after the first like episode or two, you kind of just forget. Like You learn enough about where the character comes from and what his motivations are to understand where the place in the universe is. Now, that's not to say that I'm saying you will enjoy it even if you don't know anything about Muv Love. Um, and I did enjoy it despite that, but I know that that's probably not going to be the case for everybody. Um, so what I will say is if you enjoy, if Muv you love Muv Love, if you love Muv Love, if you're, if you're familiar with the franchise, if you're familiar with the property, you'll probably enjoy this. If you're just interested in like, kind of like a drama filled, like mecha battle anime with like an interesting premise behind it. You might also be interested in this despite not really understanding some of the source material. And that's kind of where I'll leave it for this one. Do you have any more mecha for me? I have more mecha for you. I have Ameim, Warrior at the Borderline. This is the new mecha property from Sunrise and Bandai. Ah, this is the one. This is the one. It's got the model kits. It's firing on all cylinders. And, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of underwhelming. Uh, it's not the next Gundam, that's for sure. The um, story centers around this uh, this kid who they they live on they live in the where they live in Japan in this timeline. Basically, it has been colonialized by different power spheres from around the world. So different parts of Japan belong to the UN, the Oceanic Union, the European Union, and the uh, the Asian Free Trade something or other, which is basically just China, um, and. Basically, like, the Japanese people are being oppressed by these, like, foreign influences and powers. And um, the main character kind of, like, trips and falls and tumbles into being a part of the rebel group that fights them. Um, like as you do. Like you do, especially if you're a Gundam protagonist. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, this one, it, it's, it's interesting. The robots are very interestingly constructed. The story setting is really interesting, but the story that it tells within um, the this setting is less interesting. So, like, the main character's motivations are kind of unclear. Like, he basically, he ends up, like, kind of being invested in this rebel group because someone he knew for, like, a day died. And it's, like, he, like, the, someone... That is a perfectly standard anime answer yeah so this. like somebody who he knew for like a day and was nice to him died and he was like i am ready to take up arms against the oppressor and like i sure. don't know i'm down for taking up arms against the oppressor I am let's too. do it i am too but like like this is kind of it was so transparent that i kind of like rolled my eyes at it and like his motivations never really become clear um, the side characters are similarly like generic so like you have the the side character whose dad was killed by this machine that they're hunting down so of course he has to hunt it down and like you have this the I will say the female side character has the more interesting story arc because she comes from a long generation of potters 
and she just wants to bring traditional Japanese pottery back to Japan. And that's why she joined this rebel group to fight against the oppressors. And she has by far the most interesting backstory. Like when I heard, when I heard her backstory, I was like, "Why is she not the main character?" Yeah, I would watch that. Like this is like let's make a mug two electric boogaloo. <laughs> oh my god! Why can't let's make a mug turn into a mecca? I know, right? Uh, but all overall, like I just watched the season finale. That's our Kickstarter. Yeah, right. <laughs> I just watched the season finale of this show, and it was like appropriately underwhelming for how the show was i will watch it again if it comes back around for a season two just because like they left it on a cliffhanger and i kind of want to know where it goes but i was not super impressed by this show on anything further than just an aesthetic level all right um the model kits look great i'll probably buy some but that's really <laughs> it yeah you you need more next up we have the actual let's make a mug two season two <laughs> Are there any mechas? There are no mech. Well, one of the main characters does build what are essentially Gundam models, so kind of. Hey. Um, let's make a mug two season two. Uh, it kind of continues in the same vein as season one, where you have the main character Himeno is kind of following in the footsteps of her mother and trying not to like be stuck in her shadow, but also like wanting to pursue this thing that her mother loved and dealing with kind of the the world that exists that remembers her in a certain way. Um, I will say this, we get a Mexican character in this show, in this season of the show, who speaks Spanish on screen. Um, that I was not expecting, but apparently it, it's... The only other time I think I've seen that is Evo. Yeah, and one of the interesting parts about that is that it, it's, it's actually serving to represent a real thing, because like I mentioned when we first not talked true. about... Uh, Hachin... Hachin and something, the like two girls in Mexico story. That sounds like it could be real bad. No, no, no. It was. Oh, yeah, it does. But no, it was. It was a cute like. Okay, so it's it's not like Tears of the Sun. Or, no, no, it's no, not no. like Man on Fire. No, no, no. It's like um like a badass girl and her younger sister like riding motorcycle kicking ass through Mexico. Okay, I can dig that. Um, but no, that's not what this show is. This show is um, mainly, uh, well, like I said when we first talked about it, part of what it wants to do is kind of be a highlight the, for this region in which it takes place, um, Taijimi. And one of the things that's important about this region of Japan is that people do come from all over the world to learn pottery here because it's very famous for its pottery. Um, so that's what they're trying to represent with this this uh, this Mexican character who comes into the show. Um, but season two was great. I enjoyed it a lot. She finally makes a mug. I'm comfortable giving away that spoiler. <laughs> oh my um, god. So, uh, you know, it, it's just really cute. It's really fun. And uh, it's got a really interesting and heartwarming family story to tell, too, in the second season. Um so yeah, if you liked the first season, or again, if you're interested in finding just a comfy slice of life, uh, you can't really go wrong with this one. Next up, we have a slightly somewhat problematic show that was interesting, question mark? I haven't decided. Uh, it's The World's Greatest Assassin is Reincarnated as an Aristocrat. Um, and basically, the premise of this show is that like, this guy, he's like this ace-level assassin, and... Um, 
he thinks he's finally gonna retire. He he doesn't want to be involved in killing anymore. He just wants to like live like a life and like maybe like have a family or something. But because he's like this high level assassin, like obviously they can't just let him leave, so they kill him off. And he gets reincarnated in this world. This goddess think, think John Wick. Kind of, yeah. It's kind of John. <laughs> no, it's it's way worse than John Wick. It's not it's not John Wick. I don't. I wouldn't want to put John Wick's <laughs> name to this. Um, and basically, the goddess who reincarnates him says, "Hey, uh, I have a job for you. You know, you were the greatest assassin alive in the world where you came from. I need you to come to this world." And after the hero defeats the demon lord, I need you to kill him because otherwise the, the hero will destroy the world. Um, so basically it's kind of him preparing to take on that challenge, but it's problematic. This show becomes problematic in the way that he uses women. So like he uses women as tools in this, like basically he saves them from like, from dire circumstances and like he saves their lives and then they become tools for him to use toward that end. And their their devotion to him and like the way they view him and the the way he views them is very problematic. Sounds like a worse rough Talia. It's a much worse rough Talia. Yeah. Because yeah. like don't get me wrong, the rough Talia dynamic is problematic but at least it has some heartwarming elements to it whereas this one does not like the the women and like he don't remember he doesn't mistreat them like he doesn't like he's not like weird or or like you don't touchy have to justify <laughs> you don't have to justify it but like like it, it, in, a, in a way this almost makes it worse because like he just uses them as tools like they pretty much like you know he refers to them like as his sister or like as his valued like servant or whatever but like they are just tools and it, that is an uncomfortable thing about this show um i will say that the plot of the show that part of it aside is interesting um the the best point mike got into this one too he did and this he was did. one of his first uh, seasonal yeah, forays he did and he did note a lot of the issues with it that i also have brought up um, he did say that the ending was a little confusing, and it was a little confusing, but I overall did enjoy the story aside from the elements that we just talked about. Do you think I would like it? I don't know. Like, it depends on if you could get past that, um... I saw the first episode. Yeah. There was some, like, weird father touching a naked son. Oh, yeah, moments. I completely forget. Like, the, I, <laughs> the whole thing about him with the women is 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 so bad that I completely blocked that part of it out. But, um, yeah, that part does come back later on in a way that's weird. Um, I don't know that you, whether or not you would like this. Like, I, this is one of those shows that, like, could go either way. Like, it, it's the story... The story might be enough to make up for its faults. And I say might be because I'm still not entirely decided on that front. All right. Um, so, the you know. The story sounds interesting. Like the, the story is interesting. The main character, aside from his relationships with women, is also interesting. Like, he is kind of approaching life as like, hey, you know, well, I. I liked how, because he got to pick a certain number of, like, skills to go yeah, into Yeah, he world definitely, with. like. And the way he went about choosing it, I found very interesting. Yeah, he definitely min-maxes his skills in a yeah. way that is really interesting. Um, I will say that, like, the his the character's outlook is really interesting. Because, like, he his whole thing is, like, I you know, I want to live the life that I want to live. I want, you know, if I have to kill someone, 
I want to be able to make that decision. Like, yeah. I don't want to have that decision made for me anymore. Yeah. Which is an interesting it's way also to look at it. one last job. One last job. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, you might you might be interested. It does have a lot of the standard isekai tropes that you do tend to enjoy. Um, I would say flip a coin and decide that way. Okay. Um, next up, we have Tact Op Destiny. Which I feel like I need to watch because it's pretty. Yeah, same here. I only watched, like, the first five episodes of this one four or five episodes of it and it was really 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 good uh i never picked it back up just because there was so much stuff that we had to do uh this this season and then also like we had to do in prepare in preparation for this episode because i wanted to make sure i watched um odd taxi and then also part of um ranking of kings um so i kind of ended up leaving this one behind but it's got a very interesting story to tell it is very pretty uh, I would say it's as pretty as Joran, but the story makes sense. So, oh. so that's good. <laughs> what a novel concept! And here's the interesting part: this is a this is this this anime is based off of a, like a gacha game, huh? Yeah, and it it just has this really interesting and engaging story um, that like I didn't even know. I well, you wouldn't even guess like that was the case. But basically, it, they live in ex they exist in a world where music is basically outlawed because the world has been attacked by these aliens that they refer to, I believe, as D2. And um, basically the Mighty sound... ducks? Yeah, exactly. Oh. Um, they, the sound of music drives them into a rage and like causes them to like destroy everything around them. Um, but they are able to fight back with these, um, these androids that are called music arts, which basically... They use the power of music as a weapon. And the people who control them are called conductors, obviously. Um, and they're the ones who, like, who um, who power... They this use their musical like power to power the most them. anime concept. Yeah, ever. it's a very it's a very <laughs> different concept. Um, and, like, the way the characters... Uh, their characters' interpersonal relations are probably the thing that um, make this show the most interesting to me. Um... It, in a weird way, it kind of sounds like Fire Force. It's kind of like if Fire Force and Carolyn Tuesday had a baby. <laughs> that's that's where we'll that's where we'll leave that, it on this one. I, that is enough to sell me. Yeah, it's like if Fire Force and Carolyn Tuesday had a baby. That's what this show is. <laughs> um, the music is great. Like I said, anytime you have an anime that focuses on music, it has to be great. And in this case, it is. Um, the characters are interesting. They're complex. Um, they are in some cases a little formulaic, but they manage to break the mold a little bit. Like obviously the the you have the trope of like the kind of unfeeling uh, android character who doesn't have like typical emotions and stuff. But like you also you get a twist on that because like yes, she doesn't have emotions, but like she does have personality. So like she needs to consume car like she needs to consume carbs to to have power. But, like, she has a particular preference for sweets. So, like, you see, you get scenes of her, like, she's got her, like, very dry way of communicating and talking with people. But she'll be eating, like, a giant stack of pancakes covered in maple syrup. So, like, That's it's kind of... a great juxtaposition. Yeah, you get this kind of interesting contrast that you, uh, that you get with, like, these characters. Um, and I think it's just really interesting. And I'm looking forward to, to watching the rest of this one. Um, yeah. Uh, I, it's one that I would like to pick up again. And kind of to wrap it up, uh, we have one last thing to kind of briefly talk about. And that's yeah. Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. Zero. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, as of the recording of this, 
it has hit the top 80 highest grossing Japanese movies of all time. Yeah. So it's it's doing well. It's not... It's no Mugen Train. It's no Mugen Train. It's not going to win every Oscar. Probably just most of them. Um, but it's definitely something to keep uh, your eye on. I think we'll probably end up handling it a little bit like we handled Mugen Train next year. Yeah, because it's out in Japan this year, but it will probably it won't become available in the North in North America until probably later on this year. Um, so we will likely talk about it when it hits. Um, but we did want to note that it did happen, that it is in the news, that it is doing well in the box office. Um, uh, I've heard really good things about it. I've it's, heard nothing but good things about it's, it. It's um, uh, it's a side story from before uh, the 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 main of, story. Yeah, yeah, and t- has some of the second year students in it. Um, mm-hmm. I heard Panda San is in it. Yeah, and it uh, has source material from the mangaka, so yep. so it it should be pretty solid all around. I have heard um, one. I read somewhere that uh, a reviewer of this movie said that this movie is exactly what the Jujutsu Kaisen story needed. So that's pretty high. That's pretty high praise. All right, I'm um, excited for it. Yeah, me too. Um. Before we head out, Best Boy Justin, you want to head us with some socials? Yeah, so um, you can let us know, uh, you know, tell us what shows you watched, what you didn't watch, uh, what you think we missed. I'm sure there's some out there we probably... (laughs) We definitely missed some. We didn't watch your favorite show, and because of that, we're hacks and frauds. We get it. Um, Send us all your your comments, (laughs) questions, concerns, and hate mail. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at bestboys underscore pod. You can send us an email at thebestboyspod at gmail.com. We are looking forward to hearing from you. Um, and then next time. Yeah, next time we're going to be doing our Best Boy Awards. We got uh, the Best Boys Awards. We, we had some intense conversations to bring you the object- objectively true facts of the best anime, the best OP, the best best boy, all different kinds of categories. So stay tuned, that's coming up very shortly. This is the awards part of our year in review. We are a little delirious. We have podcasted for how many hours now? Uh, Like five hours total. (laughs) And we're still going.